The information presented in this podcast is intended to be for entertainment and educational purposes only. It should never be used in place of advice given by a mental health or medical professional or as a substitute for mental health treatment. If you're struggling with a mental health issue, please seek professional help. Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Fangirl Business. I'm Catherine. And I'm Krisha. And in this episode, we are going to continue our look at the 10th episode of Supernatural's 15th season, The Hero's Journey. And in this episode, we are going to get into the subtext. Because I feel like very little was straightforward in this one. You had to dig for it. (laughs) I would agree with you on that. And once you dug into it, there was so much there. When we started talking about this, we were like, is there even enough for us to do an episode? Yeah, I was like, no. Mm -mm. And then we got pointed in a bunch of directions and figured some stuff out on our own. And it's just been... There's There's a lot. lot. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot. So we're doing a whole episode on subtext in the hero's journey. Yep. Welcome. So where do we start, though? Um. (laughs) Actually, hold on. I know where to start. I know where to start because I just noticed it as I was poking through the episode again right before we started recording. And at the store, at the very beginning, when Dean is shopping, he puts his little basket down and bites into his chocolate. I was looking at the basket, and I just assumed it was porn, you know? (laughs) Yes, because he always gets porn. It was cooking magazines. It was cooking magazines? It was cooking magazines. What? Isn't that so cute? How much he has grown. I'm having a moment. I know. (laughs) And he loves to cook. So now he buys cooking magazines instead of porn. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) They don't even show it directly. I had to look for it. Like what kind of porn is he getting this week? Because we're doing a subtext (laughs) episode, right? And then I was like, wait, you can only see the bottom third of the cover, maybe. But yeah, it's definitely not porn. It's definitely recipes. (laughs) I just laughed a lot. (laughs) That's really cute. I know. I'm so glad you noticed that. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm smelling so hard that my cheeks hurt. (laughs) I know. We're squeeing in the first five minutes. On the surface, this episode was so freaking funny. It was so freaking funny. I just Mm. could not stop laughing, start to finish. And so I feel like it was presented like it was supposed to be this superficial slapstick, don't look at it too hard because it's not going to make any sense kind of an episode. And the more I started thinking about stuff and digging into stuff, it's like, oh, I think it was more Dean focused just because I think Dean is the one that's actively growing right now. 
Yes. I feel like Sam, what's happening with him and Eileen is freaking tragic and it's breaking my heart, but it's not because of anything that he has done. That's right. There's nothing that Sam needs to necessarily grow with right now. Mm. He's really kind of come into his own. And I feel like with Sam, a big part of his recent growth was being open to the idea of a relationship with Eileen and mm-hmm. going for what he wanted. So now yeah. he has to take a step back from growth because he doesn't have that opportunity right now. Now. But I have faith that he will. Yeah. I, I do too. Will. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the ball, it's not in his court right now. He's just no. trying to put his nose down and do the work and fight Chuck. Whereas Dean is in the middle of this huge existential push. Let's maybe talk about the dream a little bit. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the big thing. Oh my god. If you look at this dream without thinking about subtext, it makes absolutely zero sense. None. There is no point for it. I literally wrote down, as I was brain dumping thoughts after the first watch, I thought that it was just a gift to the fandom that had no context at all. It was just like, okay, they aren't even pretending that this is Dean. It's just Jensen. They're just letting us see Jensen dance for a while. And it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it's glorious. And I appreciate it. A little weird. But that's mm-hmm. fine. <laughs> Supernatural is a little weird. But <laughs> I mean, that's fair. <laughs> I saw it as Jensen. I didn't see it as Dean because that's not the Dean that we know, right? That's the Jensen mm-hmm. that we know. And then I watched it again. And then I pondered it. And I was like, oh, that's mm-hmm. the Dean that Dean wants to be because Dean really would love to be a lot more like Jensen. I know. And hmm. I'm having a moment that you just said it that way. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I can't get out of the high pitch I'm trying. (laughs) It was like reverse character bleed. I I don't know. It was just... into like normal pitch voice (laughs) do more than just make an articulate sound (sighs) just but just the way that you said that that Dean would like to be more like Jensen. And what I love about Jensen is I've seen things from him in high school where he was both the jock and the guy who did theater. He was both. Yeah. So it's possible to be both. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just theater he did. He did musical theater in high school. Yes, he did. In Texas. Mm-hmm. In Texas, exactly. It makes sense that Dean would want to be more like Jensen. And yeah. so that just really hit me hard. And I had a moment. Thank you for saying it that way. <laughs> okay. Okay. I love this show. Like a lot. Me too. I love it so much. Mm. Okay. It was actually really funny because I was pointed to all of this information about the song and the time period and a whole bunch of stuff from this Tumblr page by, first of all, another Catherine who we follow each mm. other on Twitter. And then literally probably within 30 seconds, you sent me the same link. <laughs> 
Well, hello, Catherine. Thank you. Yes, thank you. (laughs) So that just unpacked a whole other bounty of stuff that I spent the day researching. We can provide a link for that if people want to go read more. So there's literary stuff, right? Yeah, there's a writing trope that's used in a really literal way. (laughs) In the scenes, there's musical stuff. You look at the lyrics, there's really interesting stuff that's going on there. There's historical stuff that has to do with Hollywood. So there's just, there's a lot going on in this musical scene. So let's talk about it a little bit. Okay. The song is called Let's Misbehave. (laughs) It's from 1928 and it's by Cole Porter. And he was a gay man who married a woman and apparently they had a very affectionate and loving relationship, but he continued to have relationships with men throughout their marriage. And in 1928, he was actually quite openly gay. Even though he was married to a woman, I thought that was really interesting in terms of the choice of the song and then the title of the song, Let's Misbehave. We're all alone. No chaperone can get our number. The world's in slumber. Let's misbehave. Hmm. (laughs) Basically, it's talking about a rendezvous at night with somebody and they're gonna be a little naughty and get a little frisky we're all alone no chaperone can get our number the world's in slumber let's misbehave there's something wild about you child that's so contagious let's be outrageous let's misbehave that's what the song is about that Dean is dancing to throughout this anesthesia dream that he has. And so he starts out with Garth and he's dancing with Garth, which, I mean, it makes sense with anesthesia. That was the last face he saw. So that's going to be the face that comes into his dream. They're there and they're dancing together. And DJ Qualls, man, that was amazing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Who knew he could dance? And so they're clearly enjoying dancing together, but they're just like a touch out of sync. They're having fun, but they're just not quite on the exact same timing. It's just a split second. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he's gone and then he's alone. Yeah. And I think, again, Garth is this symbol of a different way of being masculine. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about masculinity, toxic masculinity and sexuality. And we talked a little bit about masculinity in our last episode. Not only does Garth hug, but this time he sniffed Dean. I thought that must be a werewolf thing. That was kind of where I went with it. But Dean is very taken aback by it. And it's really cute because they have this exchange where Dean goes, Still a hugger, huh? You know it. You smell so good. And Dean's like, and we're done. Yeah, he always does that with Garth. He gets a little bit more comfortable every time, but then Garth hits a new level and he's like, yeah. And he has to adjust all over again. Which is just their funny back and forth. They're so cute. But then at the end of the episode, Dean smells Garth and Dean is not a werewolf. It's a true statement. And he goes, hey, you know what? You don't smell too bad yourself. Thanks. Men can acknowledge that they each have smells and it's okay. (laughs) And I love that Dean reciprocated the gesture, even though he's not a werewolf. He was like, okay, I'm going to sniff a dude and it's going to be okay. And I can acknowledge that he smells okay and that's okay. Like, this is big for Dean Winchester, who was such a macho posturing guy 
for a, such a big part of this series, especially in the early seasons, for him to hug a man, smell him, and tell him that he smells good. I'm just, I was so proud of him. And again, it's this rejection of toxic masculinity. I think that what we are seeing with him is him starting to just be more honest with himself and stop mm-hmm. holding himself back from these things that bring him joy just because they're things that are not typically associated, quote unquote, with being a man in the way that he was raised. You know, singing, dancing, hugging dudes, buying cooking magazines. These are all perfectly wonderful things for any man to do. But Dean was raised that he couldn't, you know? And so seeing him start to do those things is just beautiful. It makes me very happy for him. You just said that so perfectly. And those things have nothing to do with sexual orientation. Like, that's a whole different conversation. You know, Mm -hmm. this is just him being him within himself and the things that bring him joy. And so toxic masculinity is the culture that Dean has sort of grown up in. He puts on that front. He's always felt like he has to put on that front. The overarching thing is more Dean becoming more comfortable with who he is. It's him being able to just be him because you can be a straight affectionate man absolutely with other men but you can also be an affectionate gay or bisexual man and have all of those different sexualities be combating toxic masculinity through ease of being around other men without having to do this performative thing I think for a lot of men who have been raised in masculine environments that are toxic, the intensity of the need to perform toxic masculinity can be tied to doubts about their own sexuality. And I guess for me, that's where the crossover is in some cases, but that's where the awkward kind of icky conflation can come in because toxic masculinity says that you have to act a certain way to be read as straight. And if you don't act a certain way, then the most awful thing that somebody can throw at you is that's gay. That's one of those really awful parts of toxic masculinity is that it denigrates queer people. And at the same time, it expresses these rigid ideas of what being a man has to be, the kind of performance that you have to put on to be a man. And I'm saying that with big air quotes in front of my microphone. Mm Mm-hmm. At the same time, a lot of people who perform toxic masculinity very extremely, that can be a reaction to not being sure about their own sexuality. So there can be some crossover there, right? Right. But it's a tricky thing to articulate because of those squeaky interactions. So I'm trying to be very careful in the way that I say this. I'm not sure I'm succeeding, but I'm trying. We're trying. (laughs) We're really trying. We're doing our best, man. Yeah, I just think that for Dean Winchester specifically, in the way that you and I read his character, these Mm -hmm. two concepts are tied together, but they don't necessarily have to be for everyone. That's right. And so that's where we're just trying to make sure we're making that differentiation. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. But for Dean, he has repressed so much of himself because of that culture that he was raised in, the this is what men do kind of way. So I think that what we are seeing with him is him starting to just admit things to himself. There's an openness there, Mm -hmm. which I think is beautiful to see and makes me very happy for him. And so then if we follow that thread, 
the subtext has been talking about this for a couple episodes now. We've been talking about it. These things that he's always held him back from doing because he's scared because he doesn't think he should. And inch by inch, he's letting himself do these things Mm -hmm. and admit these things that he never let himself be open about. Does that ultimately end up with him coming out? Mm. I think it does. I mean, the case can certainly be made. Yeah. It's getting harder and harder. Every week, it's getting harder and harder to talk myself out of it. Mm -hmm. Part of my squee over this, again, is personal. And I think it is for a lot of people because I've been recently in the process of coming out as bisexual myself. So to be doing this at a time where Dean is kind of taking these steps, like this really gradual process and it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of courage. And so that's part of my squee over all of this is that I am in the middle of this journey. I'm getting to see this character that I love who I think I think is on the same journey going through the same thing. So I know a lot of us in the SBN family can identify with that journey. So yeah, it's a whole thing. So back to masculinity and girth and that dream as a sort of entry point into the dream it also makes sense along with the fact that he was the last person that Dean saw and Dean's reconsidering a lot about what it means to be a man to then Mm -hmm. have the man be like okay I'm gonna dance it wasn't romantic dancing it was fun coordinated dancing like mirroring they were doing the same moves just the slightest but differently exactly and then He doesn't need Garth anymore because he becomes comfortable with the fact that he's dancing. Yes, he does. And then he's able to dance by himself. And that was part of what I enjoyed about the transition was Mm -hmm. Garth was sort of that. um, And again, (laughs) it's interesting. And now I'm wondering about, ooh, there's a whole thing in the hero's journey about there being a mentor figure Hmm. and they come in and offer guidance to the hero of the story and help them to transition from the old life into the life of adventure after they've crossed the threshold and and have said yes to the call of adventure and I think and I'm just realizing that now that that's who Garth was in this entire episode he was that like mentor figure who steps in and is able to help them as they transition from their old life into their new life. And that literally is kind of what happened in that dream was that Garth was that transitioning mentor figure who helped him to become comfortable enough that then he could go and progress on the journey by himself as his own hero. (sighs) My brain just exploded. I know because then he became just so comfortable and he just killed it. I know! Like, holy crap good. It's misbehaving. Which, Mm -hmm. is there anything that Jensen Ackles can't do? Because it's almost frustrating (laughs) at this point. (laughs) Talking about heroes, good lord. I know. And apparently he learned that in an hour. It's unreal ridiculous anyway 
But we know he can do this because apparently when he was doing Dark Angel way back in the day. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. He practiced for a week so that his character could play a song on the piano. And he wasn't really comfortable with the piano. He wasn't a pianist. And so they hired a hand double. So they would do the faraway shots of him playing and he would know enough to make it look realistic. And then they would have this hand double that they could focus in on. Well, according to the behind the scenes DVD footage of that, after a week of learning the song, he played it so well that they didn't need the hand double and he actually did it better than the hand double. And so they didn't actually use it, which apparently Jensen didn't know because in a con, he said, oh no, 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 I practiced and I learned it, but they hired a hand double. So he didn't know that they didn't end up using the hand double, but they didn't because they stayed it on the DVD extras for Dark Angel. So, I mean, Good he's Lord. been doing stuff like this for forever mm-hmm. where he's just, you know, take a week and suddenly he's a pianist. Sure. <laughs> just take an hour and suddenly he can uh-huh. tap dance. <laughs> I mean, what? We're back to unrealistic expectations for normal people. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. So part of this Tumblr thing that we were directed to you talked about something called the Hayes Code. And this was a code that was introduced in 1930 and lasted until 1965. And it was a self-imposed standard that Hollywood adopted so that they wouldn't be censored by the U.S. government, who was unhappy with the amount of things that they were doing that were risque in Hollywood movies. Mm. So the Hayes Code came into effect in 1930. This song, Let's Misbehave, was written in 1928 and so would have still been popular in 1930. And tap dancing was big in late 1920s, early 1930s. Mm -hmm. So all of these things, I think, were layered in a very intentional kind of way where individually they might not carry a lot of weight, but as you start to layer them up, the fact that specifically within the Hayes Code, any reference to sexuality that was not straight was banned. So you couldn't reference bisexuality, homosexuality. They actually didn't even let people talk about childbirth. (laughs) And so apparently in Gone with the Wind, there's this whole scene where the only thing that they show of the birth is these silhouettes on the wall because they can't show anything about a child actually being born at all. Okay. Anyway, it was weird, but it was self-imposed censorship. And so if we're talking about Dean as being potentially bisexual and not ever having expressed that, that is self-imposed censorship. Mm -hmm. So there's that layer going on. It's set in the same era. The music is written by a gay man. And again, like the tap dancing is all in sync with that era. This is a dream of Dean's. So anyone could be there. And not only is he alone for most of it, there's no women there. We've seen him dream before, way back when, and it was strippers. Yeah. Female strippers. It was Anna. She came to visit him in his dream and was like, this is what you dream about? (laughs) And this is what his dreams look like now, where he's by himself doing something that he's always wanted to do because this Mm -hmm. isn't the first time in the show that it's referenced him kind of wanting to dance do you remember the cursed ballet shoes yes and they like kind (gasps) of went for him you know they did yeah they did go for him krisha he's wanted to dance for a really long time 
Yep, because the ballet slippers resized to be the same size as his feet. Mm-hmm. Because they knew that he wanted to dance and he wanted to put them on and he wanted to dance. Krisha, I, I know. completely forgotten about that. <laughs> that makes my heart so happy. And so he's letting himself do what he wants to do and be who he wants to be. And he's not surrounded by a bunch of strippers. No. Nope. It's just him and well the map table but that's we'll get there (laughs) yes so we've mentioned a few times that there is a preoccupation within the Destiel fandom of Castiel and Dean having sex on the map table Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean I say we but I mean I I've brought it up twice (laughs) now (laughs) well I mean it is uh a frequent a frequent theme yes yeah it's something that is brought up a lot when people talk about hopes for Destiel the -the over-the-top dream is Mm -hmm. sex on the map table right the fact that they had Dean tap dancing on top of the map table Mm -hmm. I think was telling us something spit on the nose I would say I would say too I mean he was tap dancing and one of the phrases for wanting to have sex with someone is that you want to tap that Mm -hmm. and it happened on the map table and we watched him walk slowly up the stairs too yep he ascended to the map table and then he danced on it he did he tap danced on it i feel like i'm five i'm so sorry (laughs) (laughs) but it's that on the nose well like okay i think it's important to frame this with the fact that this show this episode how many jokes were purposefully at that five-year-old level Dean got kicked in the junk. We were supposed to snort. They did a sound effect. It was like a cartoon sound effect. I mean... To me, that was a reference to the episode where they had the Looney Tunes stuff going Mm -hmm. on. Absolutely. But they're doing it outside of that framework. Right. (laughs) And so they set the precedent for this level of humor. So I can't even, <laughs> I can't even feel too bad about it. <laughs> okay, thank you. You just set me free. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can be five. Yes. We talked in our last episode about how the dancing scene at the very end with Garth and Bess suddenly made dancing into this different thing. Mm -hmm. Dancing suddenly became intimacy and partnership and companionship and everything Mm -hmm. that they've always wanted. And Mm -hmm. Dean saying, You know, I always thought I could be a good dancer if I wanted to be. And so then if you go back Mm -hmm. and layer that on Dean dancing on the map table, Do you know what I mean? Like, if you retroactively then apply partnership, intimacy, casual, just happiness of being with your person, Mm. if that's what dancing means, I feel like they could have put Dean's dream anywhere, but they put Mm -hmm. it at home. They put it... In a domestic setting. Mm -hmm. And then on the map table specifically. Like, come on. I know. It was interesting because we were talking in the last subtext episode about the music, the music that was over Cass and Dean's prayer scene and then over the Sam and Eileen kiss. And so we didn't know it was romantic until the end. And then we had to retroactively apply it. And I feel like the same thing happened here. We didn't know it was romantic. The dancing was the symbolism for romance or relationship or love. 
until the end and then we go back and reapply it to the yeah. episode itself the rest of it so i thought yeah that's kind of fascinating it really is and i love it mm-hmm. and let's talk about the lamp let's do <laughs> let's do that <laughs> When you first posted about the lamp, you were like, this is kind of a stretch. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) And then we were thinking about it and talking about it. And you were talking about it with other people. And you weren't the only person that was like, "Mm." Mm -hmm. okay, backtracking a little bit. There's something within literary constructs that's called lampshade hanging or lampshading. When you have a moment in a story that reminds you that this is a story and not something that's actually happening. It takes you out of that suspension of disbelief and reminds you that it's not real. What lampshading does, or lampshade hanging does, it's called both, is that it calls out those moments that would leave an audience sort of going, huh? It addresses the audience incredulity and at the same time prevents condescension. It's a very meta way of the writer saying, yeah, we're aware that this is a little wacky. We know that you're going to see it and we recognize that. So let's just keep going on this journey together. Right. Just go with it. You're going to recognize this, but we're going to keep going with the thing. That construct is called lampshading. And the whole dream, it's Garth giving Dean nitrous to put him out. And then Dean has a dancing dream for no apparent reason right he's dressed in a suit and he's tap dancing none of this makes any sense this is going to make the audience go what is happening why are they doing this and so to have a literal lampshade (laughs) on the nose (laughs) (laughs) that he is dancing with is beautiful and glorious Mm -hmm. that they acknowledged the wider moment by having him dance with a literal lampshade. I can't. <laughs> it's such a dab thing to do. Uh-huh. It's just like so. We're doing a bit. <laughs> we're committed like 120%. It's happening. Yeah, just in case you weren't sure. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go. Exactly. But the other thing that's associated with that is that you know how most lampshades are shaped so that they throw the light down? Mm-hmm. This is shaped so that it throws the light up and it creates this halo effect. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Which you noticed. So I did. Tell me more about that moment. Honestly, this one is so wacky and so subtextual that there's been a lot of questioning my own sanity. Am I seeing what I want to see? Am I just making stuff up at this point? And like, I don't know that I'm not. Maybe I am. I'm going to do it because it's fun, right? Yes! Nothing in this podcast we're saying is absolute fact. I don't I don't know author intent. I just know it's fun to play with. But yeah, mm-hmm. that one was definitely when I was like, okay, so that lamp is taller than he is. It's mm-hmm. super tall. It seems to be pretty heavy. It has Mm -hmm. this top that looks like a halo. Okay. (laughs) If it was supposed to be a woman, if it was supposed to be him pretending to dance with a woman, 
why couldn't they have found a lamp that's, you know, a little bit daintier, like a little bit mm-hmm. shorter, a little bit easier to whisk around? I mean, Cass isn't taller than Dean, but... But he's very sturdy. Yeah. And there was the sturdiness of the lamp. So it had implications, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just an interesting choice. We're talking about the sturdiness of a lamp I, as a metaphor. Like, how have we gotten to this point in our lives? I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> really, though. I went to school for a real long time to talk about lamps <laughs> as a metaphor for sexual orientation <laughs> during anesthesia <laughs> dreams in fiction. I'm going to put that on my CV. <laughs> So anyway, I have no idea if I'm reaching with that or not, but like every prop has intent. Like why that one is, has it always been there? Maybe it's just always been there in the corner. I don't know. Krisha, and it's it the was style. silver. It was silver. And oh what, what does like Cass carry? He carries a silver angel plate. Oh. It was a silver lamp with a halo. Come on. <laughs> Listen, I will simply never get over him tap dancing on the map table. Like, I just, not ever. I will not get over that ever. I mean, and that pose that he struck at the end. And the other thing that I loved was that this was another further elaboration of what we saw starting in Last Call. He started off doing something that he hadn't let himself do before. And we talked about this as a metaphor for his sexuality. Mm -hmm. That singing was a metaphor. So going on stage for the first time... And singing, he started off very nervous and then he got into it and there was this joy in him that we hadn't seen in Dean, I don't think ever. The smile at the end of the song that he had was just beautiful. When you are able to express yourself as a human being more fully, that is a deeply, deeply joyful experience. And that can include doing things like singing, but it can include also sexuality. So we're talking about this as this metaphor on top of all of the stuff with the lighting and the fact that he was singing with Lee and all of those things. Mm -hmm. So the fact that here he was doing something else that he's wanted to do for a long time, which is the dancing, which I'm so glad that you brought up those ballet slippers because I just, I had completely forgotten about that. It's another avenue where he hasn't allowed himself to express that part of himself before. He has someone there to help him out at first. And then he gains the confidence and just goes for it. And he just, he soars. He just, he's, he's incredible. (laughs) He can dance, man. There was a part of me that was like, okay, so if it's a dream and anybody could be there and there's no women there, why doesn't he just dream up casts and have them dance around if we're really in the Destiel mindset? But again, this isn't about that. Yeah. It's about him becoming comfortable with himself right so it's him Mm -hmm. alone dancing in last call it was him with lee and that ended up going really poorly this time he had garth help ease him in but now it's just him he's just Mm -hmm. letting himself do stuff and there might be things that are symbolic of other people or not like the lamp but ultimately he is with himself not being pressured Mm -hmm. by anyone not performing for anyone he's just letting himself be honest with himself 
and do what he wants to do. So then I was like, oh, I'm glad he's by himself because that's the point. That's the message. That's what's important here is that he's doing it for himself and no other reason. Yeah. It made me happy. Yeah. If you had asked me if Dean would ever actually dance on the show, I would have been like, heck no. Uh Uh-huh. But within the safety of himself, he was able to dream that. And it's interesting to you that it was an anesthesia-induced dream because people can be much less concerned about stuff when they're under anesthesia than they otherwise would be. So there was also that sense of freedom, too. Yeah. So inhibitions lowered. But I don't want that to detract from the fact that he felt real joy. And then he took that joy that he experienced in that dream and started thinking about it in the context of his real life right and that was the important bit is that even when he was not under anesthesia he admitted it to himself and he said it to sam too yeah i loved that sam said he was really good at the macarena you're awesome at the macarena yeah yeah he was just casually supportive and i was like hmm i wonder what else he's gonna end up telling sam that sam will be just casually supportive of like it's no big deal even though Dean's been terrified of it for years. I know. Speaking of moments where Sam was just totally chill, the reference where they're holding the twins and Dean is holding baby Cass. Oh my God. And he goes, This Cass keeps looking at me weird. And Sam just is like, So kind of like the real Cass. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but he says it totally yep. straight-faced, like it's no big deal. I thought it was also really sweet that this past week DJ Qualls came out. Yeah. And that was really beautiful. I was happy for him. I know it was hard. Yeah, absolutely. I felt like it was really beautiful that it coincided with what's probably going to be his last appearance on the show. One never knows. People keep popping back up. They do, but I'm thinking it might be. So I thought that that was actually kind of really beautiful that it happened in the same week. Mm. I was really excited for him. And so I wanted to mention that on the show that congratulations to him and yay. Mm -hmm. We're excited for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what, what else? Oh, well, there's a bunch of stuff. <laughs> um, Dean seems really impressed by how strong Garth is. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't not. No, and actually, and okay. He mentions like, it like twice, like three times, he says. <laughs> wow, you're strong. It's a trope, right? We see that all the time in Destiel fan fiction where Dean has a particular enjoyment of being manhandled by Cass, being stronger than he is. By Cass, so, yeah. yeah. That was <laughs> hilarious. I think it, it was really funny, too, because you and I talked last week about the BDSM tropes that are sort of interweaved through the show. And then this week, Garth literally is just like, we live Fifty Shades. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Speaking of on the nose. It's Bess. I know. (laughs) And she's like, we love Fifty Shades. Yeah, we do. (laughs) And then they look at each other with this adorable, flirty, slightly naughty expression. Yeah. It was the cutest thing ever. Yep. And I was like, oh, well, that's well-timed because we just brought that up. (laughs) They are no longer tiptoeing around that. And then she literally brings up the red room. Yeah. Yeah. Like, not tiptoeing. Nope. Very on the nose. Very direct. 
it's kind of nice with the timing for us because yeah we brought it up last week I was kind of like should I talk about this on the show or should I not and then I mean they literally the next week they talk about it straight up 50 shades (laughs) like man Although I could go into a whole other side rant about Fifty Shades, but I know. we won't go there. I know. We Breathe. won't. But. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yes, the trope in fan fiction, they know us. They mm-hmm. know us. Those writers know us. First time he grabs him and tells him to get in the chair. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and then <laughs> Dean is like... Very strong. And then when Garth rescues them, he pulls the locks off with his werewolf strength. And Dean is like, You are so strong. And Garth is all like, Let's roll. He did it like perfectly. The way that he delivered that line was like, And then then Dean turns to Sam and is like, You're so strong. So I just love those little moments where the writers are like, we know you, mm-hmm. we see you, we know that Dean has a strength kink. Yeah. Enjoyable. <laughs> Thanks again to Catherine for directing me towards that Tumblr seconds before mm-hmm. you directed me to that Tumblr. You know what I loved is that people are coming to us now mm-hmm. with things that they want us to talk about or things that they've noticed that they think are interesting, that they're enjoying before we've even had a chance to come out with the podcast. And that's actually really exciting for me because yeah. people are engaged, people are excited, they have things that they want to bring to our attention. And that just makes my heart so happy. Yeah, because we love talking to everybody about it. So it makes it much more fun when we get to engage when it goes both ways. It's not just us talking to everybody else. It's everybody talking to us. It makes it more fun to have that conversation. It's much more fun when it's not like us talking into the ether and Mm -hmm. we're not sure if anyone's hearing. Instead, people are talking back and it's like, oh, it's not an echo chamber. There are people out there who have ideas and thoughts that they want to talk about with us. And it's very exciting. So thank you again, everybody, because I feel like this has been one of our most exciting weeks so far in terms of just people really engaging with us on Twitter. We're having fun. Yeah, we're having a lot of fun. A lot, a lot of fun. So I think we will wrap it there unless there's anything else that you want to touch upon, Krisha? I think I will have one final note, which is that when we are talking about skills that are truly theirs, and not Chuck's creation, Dean's sass. I think we noticed is his. Yes. So we're sticking that out there too. <laughs> yes, indeed. Because I really enjoyed hearing him sass, even when he was taken down a peg. Hey, did you believe me when I said I thought we could win this thing? No. Yeah, me neither. Madison. So mm-hmm. that, that verbal gymnastics, it's all him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. That made me quite happy, actually. Yeah, too. Come to think of it. Dean freaking Winchester. Yep. Man, I love him. Oh, and it's his birthday today. So happy birthday, Dean Winchester. Oh, yeah. 
Happy birthday, Dean Winchester. I love you. Love you. All right. Well, we will wrap it there for this episode with a happy birthday, which I don't think we'll actually sing, but it's in our hearts. That's right. The song is in our hearts for mm-hmm. Dean Winchester. Mm-hmm. You can message us and stay up to date with the latest on our Twitter page at the Fangirl Biz. That's B-I-Z or B-I-Z. And we will see you again next time. And until then, carry on, my weird friends. We love you guys. Bye. Bye. Climax of this episode, I think, is the tap dancing. It was amazing. I think it would be the building exploding at the end, <laughs> but like the highlight, <laughs> the highlight of the episode certainly was Dean tap dancing. Oh no, I think I peaked the there table. with no. Take that out. That sounded dirty. Um, <laughs> I didn't even mean it that way. My oh, bad. <clears throat> <laughs> yes, let's uh, let's rewind that and <laughs> try again. <laughs> <laughs>